Well, I was on the train mm. about four months ago, three months ago from Shanghai to Beijing. And I was sitting in the window seat and I was looking out at the communities we were passing by. And I swear there was almost no single minute where I did not see a solar panel. Wow. All the buildings, not all the buildings, many of the buildings were covered in solar panels. Mm. There were solar panels on farms. There were solar panels freestanding. There were wind turbines. I probably saw hundreds of them, especially passing through uh, Hubei. Mm. So it's just phenomenal. You know, we're talking about the United States is having difficulty because of tariffs and things. Mm. But the accessibility of this technology in China, where it's manufactured at the lowest price point and the highest amount of scale, it's extremely easy for people now to get these kinds of technologies, which is it's, it's right. really impressive to see. And it's not just for big things either. Like in my neighborhood, I see people with these like night lights in the yard. Right. Yeah. So all kinds of pretty bulbs are big and small, but they absorb sunlight. Mm -hmm. during the day and then at night you know they're powered with solar energy and i thought yeah. you know they're pretty and they're cool and they're cheap why not use them especially now that they're recyclable yeah well you know i wasn't even thinking about that but it's so great to know that people have already been studying this right finding out ways to reuse them welcome to the bridge fun conversations on culture life and everything in between Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. Today with me is Bebe. Hey, we probably have the shortest podcast intro in the whole world. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. How are you, Jason? I'm wonderful. Actually, I feel really good. I had COVID a couple weeks ago and I am recovered and I'm getting mm. back into exercising and going to the park again. How are you? Very nice. Um, I'm, I'm not bad, actually. I have to say, reading all these material that we have for this show actually made me feel hopeful. Mm. I was concerned about this topic, too. Why? We are talking about, I guess, recycling of electronics mm -hmm. and other major yeah. items like solar panels or wind. What do you call them? Wind mm -hmm. turbines? Yeah, absolutely. Like yes. the wings on the windows? Well, some of them are turbines. Some of them are other. They're different kinds. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've always thought electronic vehicles seem too good to be true. And a lot of people, you know, they make fun. They're like, oh, what about batteries? What about cobalt? What about all these other issues? So that's exactly what I, I became concerned. Yeah. People's criticisms directed me to want to learn more about this. Right. So how can we save ourselves from the things that are saving us? <laughs> that's, yeah. I guess, the you question. Know, I was feeling hopeful and optimistic, not because we have all the solutions already, but because we've been hit with like gloomy news for for so long mm. like every every time we turn on the computer or the cell phone it's something bad happening mm. and we know that you know climate change and global warming but what to do and we are doing some things mm -hmm. that hopefully are making things better but there are byproducts right there are side effects Absolutely, just yeah. like when you have medicine but it's good to know that people are doing things about it People have been thinking about this because I remember a picture that I saw a couple years ago, mm -hmm. you know, when they have these apps for bikes. Mm -hmm. What do you call them? Like they are regular bikes, like mechanical bikes. I use the Meituan bike service, the yellow Meituan ones. Yeah. But they used to be called OVO. OVO was the big brand. I think there were a couple waves, you know, different companies. Yeah. But I remember an image of like thousands or maybe even tens of thousands of 
discarded old bikes. Yeah, I've, you know, I've even know. seen these places. Yeah, yeah, and they are not even like electronical, right? What about all these e-bikes or batteries on them are dead? Mm -hmm. By then, you know, we're not talking about organic garbage. For me, I've always been worried about mm -hmm. recycling batteries. So much so that I tried to buy things without these interchangeable batteries. What do you call them? Like regular batteries, right? Yeah. Double A, triple A, all those. Yeah, those ones. Because I don't know how to recycle it. I don't trust yeah. that they're doing a good job recycling it. Sometimes you see like boxes where it says they recycle batteries. <laughs> but I feel like I have to like trace them to the end <laughs> to make sure that they are doing it properly. So for, you know, for toys for my daughter when she was little or for like electronics that I buy for the family, mm -hmm. I try to use the plug in ones. If it requires like batteries, I try to just just not buy it because I don't know what to do with it. My wife, she buys reusable batteries. Of course, those die, too. Yeah. And after a few years of use, they need to be also sent out to hopefully where they're being reprocessed. Right. Here's the thing. I lose them. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. the, the contents of them increasingly are so valuable that there are companies out there who desperately want to recycle them. Right. Because if they can use them again, make the chemicals in the elements inside useful again, they make an enormous amount of profit. See, that's something made me feel really happy this morning. <laughs> like I saw some server lining to this whole economic mm. downturn, like global economic downturn that is teaching people to live more frugally. It's teaching nations to recycle because mm -hmm. I think like for the U.S., the U.S. has been so blessed. Yeah, it's literally so affluent. It has been for the past couple of decades. The like living standards uh, for people like just for regular, let's say, middle class family. Uh, it's unimaginable for people living in a lot of other parts of the world and people don't, you know, I wanted to address yes, this. Sure. I, I want to, when I was a little boy in the early 1980s, I used to spend a lot of time at my grandmother's, both of them, their homes. Mm. And both of my grandmothers didn't have a drying machine or a washing machine. They wash things by hand oh. and they hung them on a line in their backyard. Mm. And I vividly remember this wire running across mm. the yard covered with clothes that were, you know, underwear drying in the sun within the wind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were. And now we have like people reminiscing mm. about those periods of time. I don't see why we need dryers. Like we, yeah. we mentioned, Oh, Americans are, they're so affluent. Their life is, is it, is it throwing stuff in a washing machine and then a drying machine making their life better? Or is it making their life worse? Like we have all these new machines to do everything for us, mm. but is it really improving our lives? I'm not sure it is. That's a huge question. And also, like, speaking of dryers, I've never really totally understood them. I mean, they're very useful in emergencies, like in wintertime. Let's say certain clothes are just not dry or too humid and you use them. But back in the States, people use them on a daily basis. It's like part of their regular household machines, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but it's yeah. not absolutely necessary, mm -hmm. right? As you said, you have a backyard and the sun does a great job killing all the little... Yes, absolutely. Bad bugs, <laughs> right? I mean, the dryer does that too, but... And the sun gives it a nice, like, toasted feel. So I'm saying that the silver lining that I see to this economic downturn is that it's teaching people, it's almost forcing people, right, to live in more, I guess, frugal ways, productive ways. Like, even the U.S. is now starting to think about recycling yeah. all kinds of stuff from... 
batteries to other electronics. And as you said, not just to, you know, not just for good behavior, but to extract, Mm -hmm. let's say, precious metal or other kinds of stuff that they have to import from other countries, like other raw materials. Mm -hmm. And people are learning. They're very expensive to get out of the ground in the first place. And also with the broken and uh, I guess distorted supply chains around the world, sometimes it's getting harder Mm -hmm. to buy the raw material that you want. Yeah. The whole world is getting less stable. So we're learning to recycle, reuse and to rebuild. I think we jumped over a step here. I mean, it's great that we found mechanisms, (laughs) market mechanisms and governmental mechanisms to ensure that a lot of these toxic elements and metals are recycled and have another shelf life. But we also have to look at the very real Mm. negative outcome if we don't do something about it. That is, if you just throw batteries in the ground, you're destroying water supplies, you're destroying soil, you're destroying communities down the line. Oh, no. I want to go over this image. There used to be a picture in a book of how to dispose of oil in the United States that said, dig a hole about a foot deep, about a foot wide, pour gravel into the hole, and then pour your old motor oil through the gravel. It'll be just fine. And so, like, Hmm. clearly this is a terrible idea and it's extremely toxic, but this is where we've gone. In 50 years, we've learned so much about what not to do because of the extremely negative effects that we have been having and are still having on our world. And so, yes, it's great that we're figuring out how to recycle things and we still need to put a little pressure on companies and governments Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're doing it at scale. Right. I mean, like, I consider myself as someone who worries about the world <laughs> i mean i don't yeah, i would really... say you are yes <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make me like terribly dysfunctional mm-hmm. from all the worry but it, like these issues are on my mind mm-hmm. and environment of course right and world peace and all those great things mm-hmm. but while reading the documents uh, we have for today it kind of enlightened me because I wasn't thinking so ahead of time yet, mm-hmm. right? Like what to do with these first generation solar panels. Because yeah. we've been so happy that they are out there, right? They are replacing fossil fuel and they're making a huge change uh, globally. Mm-hmm. But I haven't taken the steps to think, yeah. well, these do get old too. Yeah. What do we do with them? And they're going to be all over the world. Mm-hmm. And also, what do we do when the wind, the, this huge mm-hmm. wind turbines or whatever those little white, well, huge white wings you call like when they get old and they are sturdy they're made of sturdy stuff what to do with those right have you ever actually stood next to one i like really up close they are gargantuan (laughs) i I know i've i've seen videos of um trucks transporting them yeah it's crazy and when they pass by you they seem to last forever (laughs) because (laughs) it's just this white huge thing like what is that you know seeing them from afar they're just like You think they're just regular size. But yeah, as you said, (laughs) when you get up close, it's unimaginable. And I've seen videos of uh, these trucks maneuvering along like cliff sides Mm. in mountains. I don't know if you've seen those carrying these wind. Like, I don't know how much those drivers are getting paid. They better be making big bucks (laughs) (laughs) because that takes some crazy skills and courage. Oh, yeah. listening to The Bridge. 
I want to get into it. I have one article here. This is by Yahoo. I guess it's Yahoo, but it's probably from some other source. The first generation of solar panels will wear out. A recycling industry is taking shape by mm. Isabella O'Malley, August 1st, 2023. In this article, basically Isabella makes the case that there are already in the United States and elsewhere recycling facilities that are eager to get the contents of mm. the that are broken or run down old solar panels. In fact, they're not even just mm-hmm. recycling all of them. They divide them into uh, different categories. And some people will buy them at local thrift stores mm. in smaller pieces, which they call upcycling. So it's like a reusing essentially. So mm. maybe you run a facility that has solar panels, but the quality of energy that you're getting out of them has dropped below a certain rating. So you send them away. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I want that for my house. Great. That's ch- really cheap compared to buying them brand new and they will upcycle them onto their property. And because of trade issues, like I guess consumers in the US were supposed to be able to get them much cheaper, mm. but probably have to pay extra because of tariffs and all that. And hopefully that will get sorted out yeah. not too far into the future. Have you taken the train from Shanghai to Beijing or vice versa? I guess I have. The fast train. Not in the past three years, but yeah. It's only about four hours. Oh, well, I was on the train mm. about four months ago, three months ago from Shanghai to Beijing. And I was sitting in the window seat and I was looking out at the communities we were passing by. And I swear there was almost no single minute where I did not see a solar panel. All the buildings, not all the buildings, many of the buildings were covered in solar panels. Mm -hmm. There were solar panels on farms. There were solar panels freestanding. There were wind turbines. I probably saw hundreds of them, especially passing through uh, Hubei. Mm -hmm. So it's just phenomenal. You know, we're talking about the United States is having difficulty because of tariffs and things, Mm. but the accessibility of this technology in China, where it's manufactured at the lowest price point and the highest amount scale, it's extremely easy for people now to get these kinds of technologies, which is, it's it's really impressive to see. And it's not just for big things either. Like in my neighborhood, I see people with these like night lights in the yard. Right. So all kinds of pretty bulbs are big and small, but they absorb sunlight. Mm-hmm. during the day and then at night you know they're powered with solar energy and i thought yeah. you know they're pretty and they're cool and they're cheap why not use them especially now that they're recyclable yeah well you know i wasn't even thinking about that but it's so great to know that people have already been studying this right finding out ways to reuse them mm. and in this article that you just mentioned from financeyahoo.com it does say that it's not an easy job because mm-hmm. solar panels are built to like withstand decades of harsh weather. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing images of them being in the middle of the desert, like nowhere, right? Where it's like super hot during the day and then pretty cold during the night. That's the environment where they these panels live in, quote unquote. So they're built of tough stuff and it's uh, difficult to break them apart and to sort through them. And it says that sh- separating the glass without it shattering is already a big challenge. Mm-hmm. But then I believe in human intelligence and human power. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, you know, thinking back, we've always mm-hmm. had to deal with all kinds of problems, right? When we read about the problems we have today, you see how this is making me more optimistic? Like last time we talked, I felt like, oh no, you know, we are going to be buried uh, <laughs> under garbage <laughs> in a few decades <laughs> while it's like, we have hurricanes and thundering 
you know, pouring from the sky. But at the same time, now it's making me believe that we have ways to find solutions. If we just like put our mind to it, mm -hmm. right? If we have enough incentives mm -hmm. to put in the work, I believe there will be solutions. In a way, we created these problems. And I think the solutions are probably inherent in the problems, these problems themselves. Yeah. If we think about it from like a human perspective and we go back to the beginning of humankind's, you know, ability to manipulate our environment, it's probably, you know, we're fire. And, you know, the first time we started a fire, I'm sure it didn't go well. Mm. But, you know, eventually we learned to put like rocks around it, you know, and keep a distance. <laughs> and hey, we've got it under control now. So that's what we're going to have to essentially do with all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. In the article, it says by 2050, solar waste, that's just solar, will total some 78 mm. million tons globally. 17 so that tons. is, and we have to, we can't candy coat this. Yes, there are solutions, but they are not as well developed. They're not developed enough. And so we need to keep scaling these activities until we can deal with the total, because 70 million, 78 million tons, each ton is 2000 pounds. So we're talking about 78 billion pounds of solar waste. That's our future. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what we need to prepare I know. to be coping. With. And also, I think uh, getting ready for this episode, it was eye opening in a way that it makes me feel like we are entering a new age. Like we have a lot of signs already, hmm. but the fact that we are already thinking about solutions and we have to a certain extent some solutions already kind of pushed me into this new era. Like I'm telling myself, hey, baby, get ready now. Mm -hmm. You know, life is going to be different. The whole environment will be different. Right? it's not just that you will be seeing more EV, like electrical vehicles in the future. Maybe one day that will be most of the cars on the road. Mm -hmm. And instead of these traditional recycling stations, you will have new recycling stations that are there just to recycle batteries of all kinds. I mean, we have uh, statistics here that says hmm. EV battery recycling has been accelerating in China with strong state support, too. Because I think whenever there's new technology, new solutions, we need a little bit of you know support from the government. Mm -hmm. And from for the first five months of 2023, mm -hmm. China has recycled 115,000 tons of EV batteries. And that is more than the whole of last year of 2022. And that's only the first five months. And this is also just the beginning, right? And I think in the future, there will be a lot more. That's great. So thinking in a from a business perspective, you know, when people are crying about lost opportunities, lost industries, maybe just pivot a little and to focus on the problems we are having in the new era, and then focusing on finding solutions for these problems. I think these will lead to new jobs and, you know, new industries of growth. Absolutely. And also one of the things you mentioned, government support, that's some United States does that too. I think a lot of governments around the world, they take some of our, you know, government money, where, whether it's tax or just printed out of thin air, depends on the government. Mm -hmm. uh, and they do support research and new industries and things like that. And, and to great effect, because this is something the world we're all going to have to live in. So, I mean, the government itself is looking at itself existentially. Well, we need to continue to survive. This is something that's necessary for our population. Mm. In this, it right. talks about this facility called the Yuma facility. I'm not actually sure where this is, but it says that they're able to reuse. That's just reuse. 60% of the panels coming in before they recycle. Oh, and then later in the same article mm. that we've been discussing the whole time, it mentions that they are able to 
Oh, maybe it's a different article. Oh, no, there's a different article. We'll have to get into that later about batteries. But I'm not actually sure how much mm. how much they're actually, what percentage they're able to recycle out of the remaining 40% that they cannot reuse. But if you're able to reuse 60% already, you know, that's slowing down the environmental impact that... Uh, yeah, and it will, the technology will get better and better. Sure, absolutely. And yeah. in this article about solar panels, like what are they getting out of it? Some of the highest value materials from recycling these panels include copper, silver, aluminum, glass, and what do you, how do you say the crystalline silicon? Wow, that's I think you got you nailed it. And repurposing these means finding uh, repurposing these means finding new uses for them. Well, they sound very useful, right? Yeah. And selling sure. glass to companies that do sandblasting, sandblasting. Okay. I mean, when there's money to be made, and when there are problems that can be solved and problems we have to solve, I think people, scientists, businessmen, they will have the incentive to get into this. And I, I believe this. I think we'll work things out totally. We also need to be careful about developing countries. If we go back in time to before 2019, China, along with several other Southeast Asian countries, were importing plastics from developed countries to recycle. However, these first world nations, these super developed nations, they were sending their plastic that was not qualified to be recycled in bulk. And that was basically just going into landfills being burned or destroyed in target countries. That's why China mm. in 2019 said no more importing plastic waste from other countries, which, uh, you know, that sounds great right. and it is great Good. for China, but it meant that, you know, didn't mean changing the behavior. They began sh shipping the same trash to other countries in Southeast Asia and elsewhere, Africa. And so if we're going to start these massive recycling industries based around you know, renewable technology, mm -hmm. one of the concerns that I am worried about that I don't, I don't think we can address in this show is the reality that a lot of this waste is going to be sent to third world countries and they're going to say, oh, we've been recycling it on the books. But in reality, it's just going to end up, you know, in their ecosystems. But if the technology is advanced enough, like they can pull out enough, yeah. like copper, if we can make silver, cobalt, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, but you have to make the decision to do this in the beginning it, because it might not be profitable at the start. I remember reading somewhere that the U.S. is thinking about building more factories to recycle. I don't know, remember exactly what, but it's recycling to get the precious metals that it can't no longer import from China mm. because of regulations. Right. So this inconvenience, mm -hmm. quote unquote, is forcing the U.S. to you know solve the problem domestically and the solution is to find uh, like used products uh certain i'm not too sure what it is mm. but we have enough of those to recycle from uh, you just have to you know put some money into it which That's yeah great. i was um ha very happy reading this article from washingtonpost.com bash opinions it's called power plants retrofitting IRA, Green Facilities. It's a really good article in that it made me feel very hopeful. Like, it's one thing that I feel like, wow, the U.S. government is doing something, <laughs> you know, good for the environment. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. You know, so another area, obviously, is batteries. So, straight times, 
battery recycling, because this is a big one for me. Mm -hmm. And this is a big one for the community who is skeptical, let's say, about EVs, because EVs are the new thing. And so everyone is like, "Uh oh, what what kind of problems are we going to cause by the construction of all these EVs? We've talked about it on the show batteries. You know, so the reality is for now, mm-hmm. we're using a lot of toxic substances to make batteries that are in batteries that are potentially dangerous. Maybe future battery technology will come out that is not. But the one thing that is positive that hopefully this is helping uh, Bebe with her concerns about the future of the planet <laughs> is that we are able to recycle 95 percent of battery waste. Oh, wow. That sounds very high. I'm skeptical. (laughs) But I think even if we can't do it now, we will find ways to do it in the future. And we do have an article about battery recycling companies in Singapore. Mm -hmm. It's from straightstimes.com slash Singapore. Mm -hmm. So the two battery recycling companies there are planning to build new plants in anticipation of a sharp increase Mm -hmm. in recycling volume as Singapore's EV population grows. So people uh, are getting ready for this. And I remember export from China for the first half of this year was hugely supported by the export of EV, right? Because export from China in other areas went down, but we exported so many electrical vehicles that it made up for a lot of the loss. So people are getting ready for this and how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. The chief strategy officer, John Ho, said that the new plan in Singapore will be able to discharge and dismantle the batteries and put them through mechanical and chemical recycling processes with state-of-the-art technology. And their current plan recycles about 77.6 tons of EV batteries and 76 tons of batteries from hybrid vehicles. It doesn't sound like a whole lot now, but in the future, this is getting ready for a big future. And they said the new plant will be able to handle about 5,000 tons a year. And it's slated to start operation in 2025. Hmm. And also the problem, they say, is because the early generation EV batteries, they were not as robust as, I guess, the new ones coming out. They keep getting smaller and better and they last longer. But what you do with the old ones, right? So they had to be disposed of when they were, you know, only three to four years old. And that that is a lot. So Singapore is already doing that. And there's even... I think we may be looking at the same article. This mm. is a, from that, the article, Battery Recycling Firms to Build New Plants to Cope with EV right. Population. It says the NEA, the National Environment Agency spokesperson said, the two recyclers that you're talking about can achieve material recovery rates of at least 95%. Mm-hmm. This means that if there is 100 kilograms mm. of used batteries sent for recycling, 95 kilograms of recycled materials are produced. So obviously that's not good if we're dealing with hundreds of Mm. millions of tons or something, and then 5% is going, I don't know where, what's happening to that? Where is, they don't address what happens to the other 5%. So that is concerning. (laughs) It's just bubbling. And they must be the toxic part. (laughs) Who knows? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And also she said the recovered materials, they're then further treated to recover precious metals such as cobalt. Lithium, magnesium. magnesium. Oh no, that does not. It says magnesium. Magnesium. No, I've never heard of manganese. M a n g a n e s e, and also nickel. I know that one. And also, Singapore introduced. It's called Extended Producer Responsibility Scheme in 2021, which requires electronic goods producers and retailers to recycle their products when they are disposed of. Wow, that's strict. 
So you have to think yeah. about what you do with these when they get old. I hope that right? you know Before this, you this is a them. Singapore law, but we we need to make that global. That sounds like a great law to have. You imagine if Coca Cola was responsible for all of the glass and plastic that the they bottles. produced. That would be yeah. fantastic. We should make this okay. whatever any company that produces anything that's going to produce any waste should. This is a law we should just have everywhere. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, we need this show. We need all this information after talks about, oh, gosh, climate change and all the other, you know, poverty and other issues. So back to this article. And I think uh, Singapore, you know, it can be a shiny example uh, for other countries to follow. And it says, since the start of the EPR scheme that we just mentioned in July of 2021, about 130 tons of batteries from these vehicles have been received by recyclers. And they're building new plants. So I think we can look forward to a cleaner environment. I and mean, we know Singapore is very strict about how clean everything is. And, uh, you know, I have trust and faith in their ability to do this job well. They're a city, right? They're a city country. So if they do something bad, it's going to be noticed right away. <laughs> so yeah. that's one of the advantages of being so small because, you know, whatever they do is going to be like in the local newspaper because everything is local. And also, if people are curious about how an EV battery is recycled, here we have a simple kind of list of what happens. So after they're discharged, which means drained completely of stored energy, the battery is dismantled, I guess, taken apart. And this is usually automated because for safety reasons, and they're also pretty heavy. And then the dismantled battery cells are then shredded. Ooh. And then the shredded material is separated mechanically using air, magnets, and sieves into four main groups which are paper slash plastic, ferrous materials. Does that mean like containing iron or just metal in general? Metal. Okay. Or non-ferrous material. I guess that's where the magnets comes in. This sounds fun, Jason. Can you imagine like watching this whole machine work? I would be wearing so many different kind of masks. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So plastic, paper, ferrous, non-ferrous, and then black mass. That's the remainder, which cannot be mechanically separated. Mm. So this black mass, like sounds like some kind of black gooey stuff, is sent for chemical separation, resulting in end products such as graphite, cobalt, hydroxide, and lithium carbonate. Woohoo! So you don't have to import as much, right, from other countries. And then these recycled materials have to be refined further before they can be used to make new batteries. Mm. I guess the companies can sell them off. And according to... TES Singapore Chief Officer John O. Mining of recycled materials emits up to 30 times less carbon dioxide than conventional mining. So it's helping. I'm confused. Recycling results. Using less. Yeah. Mining of recycled Uh, materials. I was confused when you said mining and then recycled. Both my mind couldn't put those together right at first. (laughs) So I guess using recycled (laughs) material emits less, up to 30 times less carbon dioxide. Well, that's fantastic. Not to mention the fact that it's not going to the ground. It's not going into the water. It's not going in back into our ecosystem in a way in which it didn't come out in the first place. So we're able to. But, uh but Jason, it might go into your gummy bears. Cobalt on my gummy bears? somewhere. Did you not read that article? Not probably Cobalt, but it's another company in Holland, I think, in recycling wind turbines, you know, windmills in Holland. They, you know, they're, hold on, Mm -hmm. let me just find this article. 
So in this article from CNN.com, this is that came out in May of 2023. The title is Wind Energy Has a Massive Waste Problem, But New Technologies May Be a Step Closer to Solving It. And there's this Danish company called Vestas said it had cracked the problem, maybe because they've been dealing with windmills for so long. And so in this article, it says wind turbines are built to last. You bet, because they're so hard to build and transport and everything. And their tall bodies are topped with long fiberglass blades, some more than half a football field in length. And they are made to withstand the harshest, windiest conditions, I guess, (laughs) right? Uh, But this sturdiness has another side, right? Which is a big problem. What to do with them when they reach the end of their working lives? They've got to be taken down um, someday into the future. And they say about 90% of turbines are easily recyclable, but their blades are not because these are made from Mm -hmm. fiberglass bound together with expussy, I can't say this, E-P-O-X-Y resin. Resin is like a material. I'm not sure. I have no idea what that is. Epoxy. 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 uh, Epoxy resin. Okay. (laughs) Hopefully I'm getting this right. It's a material that is so strong that it's incredibly difficult and expensive to break down. So most blades end their lives in landfill or they're just burned up. And Mm. in the future, when we use more wind energy, we're going to have huge graveyards for wind turbines. And then, you know, we have to think about what to do with them. But this Danish company is already solving this problem. It announced a breakthrough solution that would allow wind turbine blades to be recycled without needing to change their design or material. I'm confused. How, how is that done? Uh, let me see. Because, I mean, they present, you present the problem and I'm like, oh, that's terrible. But how do they get from this is a terrible thing we can't deal with to, yay, everything's okay? It's, <laughs> well, it a, involves some chemicals. Uh, it's a newly discovered chemical technology. You know, this is why having a lot of STEM majors in one's country is profitable <laughs> to one's industry because those scientists can do things that the rest of us are like, talking how about do it. they even I know. do that? Yeah. We just talk about it we whine about it right but they are the ones in labs finding out the solutions Mm. so they've discovered chemical technology that can break down these old blades in a liquid to produce high quality materials that's fantastic not only do they break it down but they produce high quality materials which can eventually be used to make new blades as well as components in other industries and somewhere in the article it mentioned that one of the end products is being used to make gummy bears. So in, I, I, what? I'm not having gummy bears anymore. You could be. Maybe. Well, these ones might be really expensive, but <laughs> I don't know if they're in the market. It says here that in 2022, researchers in the university at the University of Michigan announced that they have made a new resin for blades by combining glass fibers with a plant derived polymer and a synthetic one, which could be recycled into ingredients for products, including new turbine blades, laptop covers, power tools, and even gummy bear candies. I don't think I'm ready for the world that's coming. Because <laughs> I don't right. want to eat renewable energy technology 
parts. Okay. <laughs> and it says, no, wait, wait, wait sure. hold on. So a professor of chemical engineering at Michigan State University, his name is John Dorgan. He said, we recovered food grade potassium lactate and used it to make gummy bear candies, which oh. he ate, he said. Oh, my gosh. And for those. He's got to be very brave. Uh, well, he knows. I guess he knows exactly what's Isn't made it of. a fiberglass technology. Something oh my gosh. that's related, I guess. And he said, for those who are concerned about eating old turbine, Professor Dorgan said a carbon atom derived from a plant like corn or grass is no different from a carbon atom that came from, let's say, fossil fuel. It's all part of the global. Uh, this is my philosophy. He can go first. He did. You know, after he, <laughs> he, you know, he, I know he, him and his family and all the customers will go first in 20 years when we find out what it's done to them, then I'll be. Okay and then with it. it will be gummy bears for Jason for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Wait, hold on. I'm not done yet. He says it's all part <laughs> of a global carbon cycle. And we've shown that we can go from biomass in the field to durable plastic materials and back to food stuff. And I don't know how much you read about like recycling of atoms when it comes to science, but we are all made of recycled atoms. You know, we just did the episode uh, last week or the week before about plastic pollution. Mm. You know, plastic is largely made of carbon, too. So but I, I not mean, in a form we like to eat. Exactly. But it's made of the same <laughs> atom, the carbon atom, the six on the periodic table of elements. But that's really not turning out to be good for us. So if there is some mm. bond in that gummy bear that is irregular, it could ha potentially have harmful side effects. It's easy to say, oh, it's all just made out of subatomic particles and energy. But when you get down to the brass tacks and details of how chemistry works, there are some chemicals made out of carbon that are extremely deadly. Well, I suppose not the ones that he ate. And if you really think <laughs> yes. about it, let's face it, like the water we drink has been through so many toilets already, probably. Right. It came from the ocean. And then I don't know, it's probably being used to wash cars. Sure. Absolutely. And who knows? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and just, I was probably all know, in some dinosaur's liver at some point. Dinosaur's liver? Yeah, sure. Well, there were dinosaurs. There were lots of them. There was probably millions of dinosaurs. And there was pro going all the water that's on the surface of the planet was probably going through dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. you, we, I'm drinking dinosaur. Okay, We're getting very imaginative. I didn't actually get that. That was from another <laughs> podcast. I was listening to. They were saying that all water on the planet was once dinosaur oh. pee. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Energyportal.eu News. There's an article by Daniel Hall, July 29th, 2023. Lithium ion battery recycling market to reach 35.1 billion dollars, US dollars by 2031. So that's good news. Basically, we're proving, the industry is proving that this technology, these your old battery is so valuable to companies, they want it and they're going mm -hmm. to try to get it. And they so that means these companies are going to go the extra mile to literally get your old batteries from you so that they can make profit from it. You're just like, oh, I feel bad about throwing this away. And they're like, give me that. Give me, give me, give me. Give it yeah. to me. <laughs> They'll be like, it's too expensive with the terrorists at all. So I'm going to have to like get yours. Like, and <laughs> I don't know. Some people are really good at that. They can probably fix it. And also speaking of recycling and the fact that I feel like we are really moving into a new era. I saw this video of a recycling plant. It deals with more like organic garbage, but it's like totally different from my impression 
of a recycling station. Like back when I was little, recycling stations mm-hmm. are smelly. Right? They're in some remote part of the city that nobody ever goes to except people who work there. And they're filled with mm-hmm. flies. And um, it's just not a, a, you know, a place where most people want to go to. But in this video, in the like entire recycling plant, People, they all look like they're really intelligent people wearing all these like blue coats. What do you call them? Like from, yeah, lab coats from head to toe with with goggles. And they all look like technicians. They probably are. And like they work the whole day without touching any garbage, right? These garbage, they come in, they're being dumped into like this huge space. And then all kinds of machines come and grab them. And then they go through all kinds of tubes. And then incinerators, which I guess just huge burners that reaches a degree of 850 Celsius. And then certain parts of it becomes gas and they transport that gas into something else. At the end of it all, they have useful elements, you know, that were derived from this garbage and also clear water, like clear water that somehow they distilled from all this garbage. So I think in this new era... Even recycling plants, you know, we have to get used to this new idea of recycling plants. In the day, I think it will probably be a nice place to work for people with college degrees or even like fancy PhD mm-hmm. degrees because it takes so much more to uh, understand the whole process sure, yeah. to get more out of garbage and to make sure that they leave less dirty stuff. Well, another ground. thing we can do with basic organic material, like China separates the trash, but they do an especially good job of separating organic material. And a lot of that organic material, you, here's another issue. I'm going to come back around. We're running out of mm. high quality soil with which to grow high quality crops globally. I mean, it's not something that's going to end now or 10 or 20, 30 years, Mm. but it is something we need to already be thinking about if we're early to the problem. Warn our grandchildren. Yeah, exactly. More Probably great-grandchildren. This is a long, 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 long long-term issue. We may be depleting our farming lands of valuable nutrients that we will need to continue Mm. to use it to grow food. And so one thing we can do now Mm -hmm. is to take this biomass, as long as it is not toxic, it's just mostly carbon and, you know, water and things like that, and turn it back into soil rich fertilizer to be returned to the land. So, well, you mm -hmm. see, that was how things were done back in the days. Yes. We need to learn how we did it back in the days again. Right. We had it right decades ago, but life was hard back then. You had to deal with all sorts of like smelly stuff. But I remember, (laughs) you know, back in the States, a lot of Asian families, you know, how in the fall time, a great activity that every family has to get involved in is raking leaves from their front yard and backyard. And what I saw is most people, they collect them in these huge garbage bags and then to be taken away to uh, the garbage stations. But you know what a lot of Asian families do? Because a lot of Asian families, like Chinese families, Korean families, they would have a little vegetable plot in their backyard. They would leave these leaves in a pile to, what's the word, to molt, Mm -hmm. right? To basically decompose until they become like a lesser pile. Yeah. But really nutrient mm-hmm. substance fertilizer for the ground. And then they will bury it under their, like, especially in the wintertime when they're not growing vegetables, they bury it underground. So the yeah. soil becomes really rich with this natural.
natural organic fertilizer for their future crops like in the spring. You know, what's interesting is this is really easy to do. Also, this is a tradition among a lot of people with backgrounds and living in the countryside, too, Mm. in the United States, where they have something just called compost, where you throw all of your old goods into it and you turn it and you leave it out. You have to be careful it doesn't catch fire because it's actually it heats up because you you put put all these things as as it's it's molting. It actually increases Mm -hmm. in temperature and you have to keep an eye on it to make sure that the temperature doesn't rise above a certain temperature. Actually, I saw this in Tibet. They had a Hmm. huge tea that was fermenting and they had these long poles in it that would take the temperature at different depths to make sure that it wasn't rising above a certain temperature because they were turning it into, I don't know Mm. what kind of tea, but it needed to make sure that it Mm -hmm. didn't burst into flames because it was also getting hot. This is a process that this biomatter goes through. But you know, what's really bizarre to me is that even mm. though this is pretty easy to do, companies who want to make profit are now making machines that you put in your kitchen, you throw your biomatter into, mm. and then it does all of this for you automatically and then produces soil that you take out of what the bottom. Comes out like, hey, here's your free fertilizer and you go put it in your lawn or whatever. So, oh, so my mom will be like, why would I pay for this? But think about this. Think <laughs> I about this. this myself. I was surprised because my mom, when I grew up, we were raised... If we wanted rice to put it in a pot with water and oil or butter and to make it. And then I came to Asia for the first time in South Korea. And I see this here in China, too. You have these giant machines that bo- that make rice for you. You mean the rice like cooker? Rice cookers. This is essentially a fertilizer cooker. Like it's just takes making compost and makes it all corporatized. Oh, <laughs> And give it a little heat and, you know, become really active and bubbly. (laughs) I want to tell this story. This is completely off the point, but this proves the point about technologies we don't always need. Mm. I had two Chinese friends over to my apartment in San Francisco, 2008, 2009, something like that. Mm. And I was going to make rice because we were all cooking. And so I took a pod out and I put a little butter in it and I put rice and water into it and I was watching it. And I noticed, I looked back and both of my two Chinese friends were staring on. Staring? shocked (laughs) and i was said what are you watching they said you're making rice and i said you guys are like from china right you have you make rice like no i've never seen anyone make rice like this before and i was oh because we always make it in a cooker cooker. yeah they have these they have rice cookers in china and in america we just use a pot so i was really confused how these chinese people could be mesmerized by me making rice because like when you cook rice like the water would boil over if it's not sealed properly, mm. like the water will bubble, bubble until it gets all over the counter. I mean, that's, yeah, that's why, why you watch, watch it. Yeah. No, and the one you second that you're sure not watching it, <laughs> that's when everything <laughs> will possible, come out. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, sure, yes, sure. I think we have a little more time. I really want to get to this one article, which was very inspiring for me. Go for it. Yeah, it please, was from WashingtonPost.com and it's called mm-hmm. Power Plants Retrofitting. IRA green facilities. And the title is those old power plants question mark. Mm. Now we have the means to turn them green. So this is like something positive Mm -hmm. that I read from the States, (laughs) which, you know, something that the government is doing Mm -hmm. to hopefully make the world a better place. So everybody, I guess we know about the Inflation Reduction Act, abbreviated as IRA. Mm. And the article says we have almost five billion dollars in government support Mm. to address this existential threat 
yeah. of climate crisis and everything by building thousands of new green energy facilities, including solar plants, wind farms, mm. long distance transmission lines, mm-hmm. even nuclear reactors and carbon capture projects across the country. Trees are carbon capture projects, by the way. Yeah, we can just plant more of those. Uh, it's a very simple technology. <laughs> I know, and it kind of works pretty much on its own, right? Mm. With very little care. You were saying, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, so that's something that's really good news. Mm. But one problem is that people don't want to live next to these new massive new facilities because you know who wants really? to windmills are beautiful well who wants to live near a nuclear reactor well, okay maybe maybe the nuclear <laughs> reactor not so much but all the other ones didn't sound well, that bad i'm not too crazy about living near a wind farm either it's got to be really windy first of all right and what if one of those blades like falls <laughs> i don't know i don't want to live like <laughs> under it but you know i wouldn't mind living a yeah. mile from it so you know? anyhow people like when you don't know the details uh when you don't know enough you tend to stay away from it so what to do Mm. right and also people farmers they don't want to lose prime land the solution is Mm. that why don't we refit or retrofit these old energy plants so they're doing like at least they were going to retrofit thousands of old energy plants into an array of new green facilities Mm -hmm. and the ira provides an additional 250 billion dollars to the energy department to help finance just that you know i think we might want to just call it the inflation reduction act because the ira has another connotation here right it was a little confusing (laughs) but it's too long (laughs) yeah yeah, inflation reduction act so and here the article mentioned a fun little story. It says this shiny example he gave of what you can get from retrofitting old power plants. It says back in 2010, the energy department lent a small firm to a small firm $465 million that helped retrofit a mothballed old auto factory to build electric vehicles. And dare to guess mm. what the company is called? It is Tesla. It's not Tesla. Yeah, it is Tesla. Now the planet's most valuable car maker. So, you know, it started with that 465 million that was put into reinventing this old auto factory. So you never know, right? You know, business people looking for a good deal. This is the future of recycling, reuse, rebuilding. And reusing old facilities. Yes, why not, right? The oldest new opportunities are boundless, says the article. Well, I mean, if you just look at Shogun Park, that entire place is... Have you been there? Like prior to all the, I don't know, refurbishment. Yeah. So essentially what you're talking about is people or companies, governments, taking old facilities, old energy facilities and turning them to new energy facilities, new factories, all this kind of thing. Yeah. So China has, or Beijing, Beijing government has taken this old factory area on the far west side of Beijing, mm-hmm. which, you know, this urban sprawl is already surrounded and it has beautified them and covered and repainted parts of them and left some of the rust and whatever. And you can actually go in there, there's cafes and all kinds of beautiful mm-hmm. restaurants and they have science and technology forums. They have something called the SIFTIS coming up, which is China International Forum for Trade and Services. So mm-hmm. they have and they have they have science fiction fairs there, and they've basically taken this factory area and instead of tearing the factories down and recycling them, they've just left them as kind of like background artwork for mm-hmm. this hip new district of Beijing, which I think is also a pretty cool idea. I went there, I think about 
10 years ago for like a work activity. Like we were over the weekend, we had some fun activity like painting and all that stuff in one of those old factories.、Mm-hmm. So it's one of those places that makes you feel that there is a fine line between old and you know, old gray concrete buildings. And like artistic、mm-hmm. arena, <laughs> you know, the, like if you、mm-hmm. paint the walls here, or if you build like a coffee house over there, and add certain elements to it, some green plants, right, some cool artwork,、mm-hmm. and then it becomes this fancy,、mm-hmm. popular place that young people would have to go check out. And I, I think now it's one of those places. Oh, I completely agree. It's like people who buy an old typewriter. You know, you don't use that, but it's something to beautify your home that、exactly. you know, was useful 100 years ago. But you know what? This episode reminds me、mm-hmm. of when we interviewed Eric Solheim, the former undersecretary for the United Nations Environment Program.、Mm-hmm. At the end of the program, you and I asked him, Oh, is it going to be okay? Because we were both so freaked out by you know, what's、mm-hmm. going on in the world in terms of all the pollution and all the things. And you know, he was talking at that time if we just use Use the existing technologies and roll them out,、mm. everything should end up being okay. And I think this episode, where we're talking about recycling the renewable technology, is essentially us answering that question for ourselves because now we kind of have a much better idea about what are we going to do with all this new stuff that we're making. And also, you know, over the years, over the past few years, there were a lot of talk about jobs lost,、mm. right? Like, say, the oil industry. If we're not using as much oil, like fossil fuel, then a lot of people might lose their jobs. And then, of course, we found natural gas. And look, there are new areas of growth、mm-hmm. for people who might not have their old jobs anymore.、Mm-hmm. But hey, just turn around a little bit. There are new areas developing. For example, if you furnish these old factories and energy producing facilities, Facilities and install them with、uh, cleaner and more efficient energy, I don't know, machines and plants, new jobs will be created too.、Mm-hmm. Like、uh, in this article, it says、right. uh, many thousands of miles of existing power lines can be upgraded to carry more electricity and、uh, helping to avoid you know, fierce battles over siting greenfield transmission and old generators in some of the 2,300 US hydropower plants can be replaced to generate more electricity and Existing dams can be retrofitted to, re- to store electricity through pumped hydropower, and turbines and old wind farms can be upgraded with longer blades and more powerful generators or replaced entirely with new machines. Old waste sites and surface mines can host renewable energy projects and restore damaged lands in the process. And they can renovate factories, offices, homes to use less energy, increasingly meet their remaining electricity needs from onsite solar or wind. So there are new areas of growth. And maybe we just need to stop whining a little and go after these new opportunities. Might be a little hard at the beginning. I think you're right. But I think also this process of things changing, you know, in every field that you can fathom that we could mention, is occurring so fast that maybe. We as a species, you know, we're getting used to change as the part of、I、the、know. reality of our new world. It's uncomfortable <laughs>、yeah. because changes are coming in so fast. Like for the for first 40 years of our lives, things were pretty slow. 
right? You feel mm. like life is normal. And then all of a sudden in the past few years, maybe the past decade, right? Things became faster and faster. And to a degree where I feel like my heart can't pump fast <laughs> enough for all the changes. But it's something we have to face. And maybe in the future when people are so tired of... Um, you know, being efficient, being uh, the fastest, the tallest, then the whole race, the whole human race will slow down a bit. But I guess maybe that's way in the future. And also, you know, I want to point out that, uh, especially when to stress that our feelings toward recycling or, you know, the industry of recycling, uh, recycling plants, maybe can be updated a little bit. And now it can mean new opportunities, new jobs, for even if it's hard to build an entire supply chain, let's say domestically in the U.S., right, to mine these raw materials, to build solar panels, but there can be smaller industries recycling these, right, uh, reusing these, rebuilding mm -hmm. these, and these will create jobs for local businesses too, right? And so there are opportunities. That is fantastic. Thank you for your insights. We're out of time. If you guys want to contribute to this conversation, and even if you want to disagree, we're happy to read your comments on the air. Please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing you. Thank you for your time, listeners. Thank you for your time, baby. Thank you, Jason. I'm leaving the show feeling optimistic and happy. So thank you. And thank you, our listeners. We'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, yeah.